0: Hi, and welcome to the Girl Next Door podcast. I'm your host, Renee Bennett, and this is a leadership podcast for ordinary girls compelled to lead an extraordinary life. Make sure you come and find me on social media, girlnextdoor.podcast. Well, hi, guys. This is really special. We have never done this before. This is a bonus episode. Mm. Yeah, and it's all of your questions answered after our six or seven—I can't even remember now—part <laughs> sexual gospel collection. So we're going to get right into it. Nikki is back with us for a bonus um, EP today. Thank- hey, hey guys, thanks
1: for having me again and again and again.
0: <laughs> I know, and again, like I said, you're the only person I've ever had so many times. That- I'm very <laughs> honoured. I'm very. <laughs> so we're honoured to have you. All right, we've got a lot of questions, so we are going to try to crack through them today. Um, now, obviously, if we had more time and we were sitting down with you guys on our lounge chair, we would go into more depth. So, um, um, please, this is not the be-all and end-all, but we hope that we can at least start answering your questions.
1: Yes, this will be succinct, and then if you have more questions, just email either of us, and we can go into.
0: Yeah. Perfect. All right, or DM us on on instagram too and i can send them along to nikki okay so here we go nikki what do you do this is from one of our listeners what do you do when you become easily emotionally attached to someone when you see qualities that you love and are looking for
1: i love how you handballed that straight to me um (laughs) (laughs) um, well okay uh i feel like this person's just saying what do i do with a crush like (laughs) like how do i have a crush on someone and and like function. Um, And so really what you're asking is uh, how do I live a life that's not ruled by my feelings? Because it's not actually sinful to have feelings for someone. Um, Just want to take the shame out of that. Feelings are a part of the soul realm. They exist for a reason, but there's a difference between having feelings and being led by them. So I guess my answer would be like in a succinct way, uh, don't worship your feelings. Anything that you let rule, you're worshiping. So don't let them rule. Feelings make a very bad ruler and a terrible savior because they change all the time. They depended on your hormones and you, how much sleep you got and, you know, circumstances or your crush's hairstyle, okay? So don't don't be <laughs> ruled by them. Uh, and every soul has a ruler and wants a ruler because we're designed to worship. So make it Jesus. Don't let your desires and your appetite and your feelings and your sex drive and your ego or anything else rule your heart and life, make it Jesus and uh, fall in love with him. That's my best mm-hmm. advice I can give.
0: Great. And also you said on, on, I think it was the boundaries for dating episode about being careful what you do mentally, like to have mental, and I reckon that would come into it. So not like playing over fantasies in your mind that will just feed it.
1: Yeah, you can have seeds that you water and they turn into thought trees. So don't water the thought seeds, right? Otherwise, you're going to have a massive thing to uproot later. Um, You need to have boundaries around your thoughts and you need to make every thought obedient to Christ. That's what 2 Corinthians ten verse first five says.
0: Great, so much wisdom. I feel like that also answers because someone asked tips for getting over a crush. I feel like you just gave us the tips for getting over a crush.
1: That's helpful. What I would probably add to that is I would say um, unplug from watching too much of them on social media. I feel like it's so much easier to be connected Mm -hmm. with people now um, because of social media and especially if you go to the same high school and there is this, this of like deprogramming and reprogramming your brain and so you need to deprogram your mind from thinking about that person all the time and you might not be able to avoid them all together you might go to the same church but don't be on instagram like looking at his stories or her stories and and there's there's an element where you need to deprogram your mind and then you reprogram it with the word of god and also just hanging out with other people so your brain remembers that that person isn't the center of the universe and they're not the only person in your world that's Brilliant. what
0: i really yes because when you're emptying your mind or something you need to put something else back in there so keep oh.
1: this,
0: hang out with friends um watch netflix but don't watch rom-coms <laughs> <laughs>
1: Yeah, yeah, but like that's that that is actually wisdom right there, because it's like don't stir up stuff in you um, prematurely or stuff that you know is just gonna set you up for sin or it's gonna trigger stuff like that. Just just kind of like, you know, if you if you're in pain, like just let your body rest, don't go straight into training or running. Like doesn't mean you'll never be able to do sport again, but just do the right things while you're in the vulnerable transition and wait till you're strong.
0: Brilliant. Okay, next one. If you have never talked to a person but you see something in them that you like how do you know if it if a relationship could work with them this is such a girl question this so came from a girl I love it it's like you don't
1: know if you haven't talked to them <laughs> I love you whoever wrote that question I love you so much you're so funny and I I guess my answer to that is um is you only know if a relationship will work out by experience. You actually do have to communicate with them and interact with them. And, you know, Jeremiah 17, what does it say? Only the, the heart's deceitfully wicked. That was the wrong scripture in my head. But um, there's a proverb somewhere. I think that's Jeremiah, is it? <laughs> it is. But no, the proverb says only the Lord knows the motives of the heart. So you actually can't read people's minds and you don't know what kind of person they are yeah. until you do life with them.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So you need to have a friendship with them and which is exactly, again, the podcast on boundaries for dating, go back to that one because you talk about that, what to do before you even get into a relationship. And
1: yes, 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 yes. That's good. And I think sometimes remember like our feelings try and stir stuff up prematurely. And so- you know, but the Bible says, don't awaken love before it so desires. So don't (laughs) stir up stuff prematurely. It's kind of like, you don't want to have a baby prematurely. Okay. And you don't want to awaken a relationship prematurely either because the more premature it is, the less likely it will to survive and, yeah, yeah. and so like it doesn't mean that the baby wasn't viable it just meant that it was underdeveloped and the same with a relationship so I would say you know um pursue friendship over romance pursue that if you kind of like someone and you sort of digging them and you're like okay I'm gonna pursue friendship with this person I'm not gonna awaken something before it's due time. Ecclesiastes mm-hmm. uh, 311 says there's an opportune time to do all things you know under the sun. So I'm gonna trust God with the timing but I'm gonna pursue friendship. That's what I was saying.
0: are an encyclopedia of wisdom for relationships. No matter what I throw at you, you just have the <laughs> best answer. Right. I'm so such a fluke, but go on. <laughs> I'll answer this one because this one's my jam. Um, you can add to it at the end, Nikki. So, if you are both in different churches and in leadership, um, how do you go about pursuing someone? Uh, do you let it go? Again, you kind of just answered it anyway about. Um, you know, pursuing a friendship. So we've just had someone in our church do this so well. Um, Neither the guy nor the girl missed a beat when it came to serving and staying in their own churches. Mm -hmm. And I think I see that too much where people actually like someone in another church and then all of a sudden, oh, they feel called to leave where they are. But it's Cameron and I always go, there's a girl there. (laughs) Is it Jesus or is it you almost? Exactly. So again, you just said the right, really good thing about, um, you know, if it's a premature thing, it's not going to last anyway. So we've just had a couple in our church, two, two separate churches, um, both very involved. The guy pursued her outside of church time, had coffee with her, started building a relationship. Oh, where did they meet? Youth Alive, serving no. God, by the way. I bet you I know who this couple is. <laughs> <laughs> hey, I don't know. I'll have to ask you after offline. Um <laughs> But, and they both stayed planted during the dating stage and um they've just gotten engaged now. So once you are serious and you're engaged, that's then the time to decide, okay, our lives are coming together. This is when you start merging your lives. You start merging things like your bank accounts, you start deciding, you know, where are we headed together? Which church are we going to go to? Where are we called? Yeah. Um and so staying planted where you are is really important because if you leave somewhere for for a guy or a girl and it doesn't work out, you've just you know, you've just kind of um, uprooted yourself for no good reason. So, oh,
1: that's so such good advice, Renee. Like that's that's exactly what I would say. And the only thing I, I guess, when it comes to the decision making process, once you are engaged and you, you it's decision time, I would just say the question i'd be asking is how are we going to best serve god what what soil is going to is best suited for us um, to be planted in so that we'll be the most fruitful together um, make it an others orientated decision right. a selfish comfortable one and i would say whatever whatever whenever a decision affects one spouse more than the other or one party more than the other i think that spouse who has more at stake should have weightier say so for like if that girl has like a really amazing network of people and he's more of an independent person or vice versa then let her have more of a say there because she's going to be more crushed if she's uprooted Uh, do you know what i mean so that and that's not dependent that's just
0: dependent on your personalities and your temperament and your networks that is brilliant i just wrote that (laughs) down because that advice i've got someone in mind who needs that advice right now and i i am Starring and cloud bursting that one. Excellent. Cloud bursting. <laughs> we yeah. know teachers do clouds around things. That's important. Yeah. I just did a yeah. cloud around that one. That was. I love perfect. it. I love it. Okay, um, where are we up to? If you have a desire and a longing in the future to be married, but you have fears about the intimacy part, how can you best prepare for that? It's important. Yeah. yeah. That,
1: that's a really interesting one. I. Would, it's it's great. Whoever that is that you've recognized that you have a fear of intimacy now because a relationship isn't going to solve that. It's going to expose it and it's going to magnify it. So it's great to know it now. Um, intimacy is just mm-hmm. another word for closeness or extreme closeness. And um, God has a monopoly on intimacy because he is what we call a perichoretic community. It means mutual indwelling and it's about, it's as close as you can possibly get. So my, my, my thing is that when you're dealing with fearing something that God is the architect of, you're dealing with something that God's also the restorer of. And that's good news for you, whoever asked that question, because so your first step here is to get intimacy right with God first. Uh, Learn to be vulnerable with him. You can't get intimacy without vulnerability. It's not possible. So Mm -hmm. learn to be close with him. And once you get that vertical relationship established, that is going to inform and bend out to your horizontal relationships. Mm-hmm. And, and you'll learn how to do that well, when you can learn how to trust God with intimacy, he's totally trustworthy, you will learn how to trust other people and open up to them and be vulnerable in a healthy way yeah. with boundaries to yeah. them. And not everyone gets that privilege of intimacy with you. Just trust
0: And I don't know if that person meant emotional intimacy or sexual intimacy. I'm not sure what they meant. But I know for me, having grown up in a single parent home where I'd seen a lot of divorce happen, I was very afraid of just even emotional intimacy, just even being close to a guy at all. I'd grown up with all girls in my household. And so Cameron was scary to me to allow him in. And, um, and I think when you've done all the steps that you've talked about prepared yourself in, in your single years, being careful on who you choose to date, in other words, prove that they're worthy of your heart, which I did all of that with Cameron. And I remember being quite afraid and he was so good. He knew exactly how to, you know, him and I dating became a part of another healing process for me.
1: Yeah, that is going to set somebody free. I'm really glad you added that because that's mm-hmm. testifying right there. And I think that's it. developing platonic intimacy is, is important. So practice vulnerability in your friendships once you've established that with God. So yeah. um, don't forfeit closeness with people because um, you're afraid that people will like judge or hate your weakness and your fragility. Like, But practice it with the right people. And, you know, even with you, Renee, Cam was the right person.
0: Yeah. Yep. Yeah, exactly. Okay. The next one, um, this is quite a sensitive one. So just a little bit of warning for for people here, but if you have experienced sexual abuse um, in the light of how powerful sex is, how can you move on and heal from this, uh, you know, either as a single person or a married person?
1: Yeah. So this is a really weighty question and I'm, I'm cautious to answer because I'm not, I'm not answering as someone who's walked through that. I've walked people through it, but I haven't personally experienced it myself. So, but the first thing I want to say um, in answer to that question is if, if you have experienced sexual abuse or know someone who has listen to this podcast, but go further, yeah. um, contact us. We will set you on the right path to get you professional help. Because um, that's the thing, the first thing I would say Um, other than acknowledging that Christ is never the author of abuse, um, you know, some hardships might be ordained by God for the purpose of our growth and refining. This is not one of them. Okay. God never entices us to sin and doesn't employ sin or perversion as a means of teaching and refining us. He doesn't do that. So God's not the author of abuse. Know that because knowing the truth sets us free. But, um, other than that, I would say you need to get help and there is not, it's not your fault. But it's like, say if you would go to the doctor if someone physically assaulted you, like if they punched you in the face, they just they got angry, they punched you in the face, smashed your teeth in, now you've got to go to a dentist and a doctor. Um, it's not your fault and it's not your sin, but you still have to get professional a professional to look at it, who's an expert, and you have to seek healing whether it was your fault or not. Yeah. So staying at home um, is not actually going to heal you or make you better even if, you know, it was totally undeserved. And even if you're a total victim, which you are, um, it you know, an emotional or sexual soul, it might not be seen externally, but the hurt and the pain is, is deeply real. Mm-hmm. And it requires the same degree, if not more, I would say, more, mm-hmm. um, professional help and Mm -hmm. so i would say go and get professional help and got you know it's not fair that you need healing because of something someone else did but christ is actually able to to make good uh, and glory come out of it because that's what the gospel of restoration is he gives beauty for ashes and he turns shame to glory and even if that shame and pain is your feeling is a result of someone else's sin against you. Christ can still do it and he binds up the brokenhearted. So that's what I would say. Um, if you're married, all of this needs to be open and communicated with your spouse. You are one flesh now. So your pain is actually their pain and your healing is their healing. And that's why Romans twelve fifteen says, be happy with those who are happy and weep with those who weep. So I would say um, your spouse because of the vows they made at the altar they've committed to your healing now and because that's what they promised and and so this is never something you would hide from your spouse yeah. allow them to weep with you so that they can rejoice with you when you get healed
0: that's good what I would say. Answer. good answer and i know one book that we did use a lot in my church in adelaide was called the wounded heart I cannot even remember the author's name, but um, you know, it's a pretty full on book, um, but I think it's the best resource I've ever seen on it. So that could be something that you could read, but in conjunction with getting some extra help because yeah. so please think... do email us or contact us. if yeah. They... yeah, yeah, definitely. All right. Thank you, Nikki. Okay. This one. Uh, okay. A little bit longer question, but I think because Christian dating culture is so high stakes, I've seen couples who have dated for like two years, break up. it's the end of the world because they really thought they were going to marry that person. So where's the balance between, yes, I hope this goes well so that the end result is marriage. Um, And then kind of tied into that also was the whole, the L word, you know, the, I love you. So I think what this person is asking is, how do you go into it knowing that there's this? You know, you might give your whole heart to someone, and you might end up, you know, wasting two years because you break up. Mm-hmm.
1: I feel like what they're asking is how do I how do I love someone and avoid heartbreak at the same time? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> how are saying it? And so, like avoiding heartbreak isn't actually the goal in life. Um, yes. That's what Christ's ministry is to the brokenhearted as I 61. Pain is the risk of loving someone well. Right. So uh, kind of like pregnancy, there's, there's always a risk of miscarriage um, when we uh, become pregnant and we don't expect it um, unless, unless we're not living in the right way. So if I get pregnant and then I'm taking drugs and I'm drinking and smoking and kickboxing and, and, you know, jumping on my stomach and I'm not eating anything, then the risk of losing or deforming the baby becomes much, much higher according to my lifestyle. But, and in in relationships, if, if we're living the right way and, and we're, we've laid the right foundations in our life, which we've talked about in previous podcasts. If Jesus is the source of our life and not our partner, if we're putting boundaries in, as we build trust with this person, then we have nothing to fear because we shouldn't live in fear. Um, Sometimes like having a baby, there is unexplained loss. I have lost a baby permanent myself personally. And, and it was not my fault. It was unavoidable. Um, But the Bible says, even in unexpected loss, Jesus will be right there with you if it happens. Yeah. It was for me, but I don't live my life expecting it. I went on and I had another baby and I didn't expect it uh, to fall through. And so I would say, you know, that if you're doing the right things, like, you know, like a woman who's pregnant, if you're just eating the right things and you're looking after yourself and you're living your life the right way, then expect good and know that
0: Jesus is with you in the loss if it happens. Yeah. Because there are no guarantees and certainties. It sounds like she almost wants to be given a guarantee that if I go into this, I'm not going to get my heart broken and it's all going to work out okay and I'm going to be walking down the aisle in two years. But there are no guarantees. And I remember years ago hearing this description of love being um, moving towards someone without self-protection. And I feel like the whole dating and boy girl process is literally that it is moving towards someone and forgetting about that. So, um, You know, I'm not talking about l- allowing yourself to be open to abuse or anything like that, but it's moving towards without protecting your heart, because ultimately you can't stop being, you know, it might not work out and that's okay if it doesn't, because like you said, you've got good people around you, you've got God around you. Um, love is a risk, but I would rather love and be hurt than not love, at all and be yeah rude.
1: and that's the thing like I've broken my own heart by losing friendships like I've lost a friend in my past and I broke and it was my fault like I was just right. and so my own I broke my own heart because <laughs> it was my fault and so heartbreak is certainly not restricted to romance or romantic relationships it's just something like pain in the heart is something we we will experience in life yeah. and Jesus is an expert and walking us through that. But I think when it comes to dating specifically, um, it, that's why we have this podcast. That's why we've been doing this series because it's like, you can, you can do this well and do this in a way that does actually protect your heart. Because I also feel like this person is asking like, how do I, like, I'm willing to experience pain, but I don't want it to cripple me. And you can experience pain without being crippled. Like yeah. the relationship might end, but you won't end. Yeah, that's where boundaries come in, and that's where guarding your heart comes in, and that's where not yeah. worshiping the person comes in. You will hurt. You will experience pain, but it won't cripple you and it won't end you. That's the promise.
0: And I think when when I talk about that definition being, it's you know um, moving towards someone without self protection. If you constantly have the walls of your heart up, you know how you talked about boundaries, but once you let someone in you've got to let the walls down and if you're constantly protecting yourself against hurt you're not going to completely let your walls down and let you know um emotional connection grow between you Hmm. well every every house has a door that opens (laughs) so you don't
1: yeah, don't have to bulldoze the walls down, but open the door, <laughs> let people in. Otherwise, you're just going to be really lonely and isolated and no one's going to live in your house. So yeah, of course, let people in and let people out, but have good boundaries, have a lock on your door for people who aren't safe. But as you trust someone and establish that they are safe and they have a good character, of course, you can let them in and become a part of your
0: life. Yeah, exactly. Okay. Um, let me see. All right. We're nearly there. A couple more thoughts. What are your thoughts on the church culture, egging young couples on to just get married already? Not even a question.
1: It's like, it's just like thoughts. <laughs> um, yeah, that's an interesting one. I think in terms of, uh, length of dating times, like, um, I think if if dating, we've defined dating as a trust building process that we go through with someone. And so I think after a certain amount of time, the question does have to be asked, like, why isn't enough trust built by now uh, to commit? So, you know, because you hear of girls like I, I knew someone who was dating a guy for 11 years and I'm like, dude, that's like. Like mm-hmm. if you haven't figured out by now that you want to commit to this person and marry them. Like, you know, surely a decade is enough time. I know someone who did it for five years and as well. And so I think that's maybe where that question is could be coming from. Like when people see people dating for years and years and years and it's like, well, dating was, it's sort of just a process of building trust. Like it, at some point you have to commit to someone and otherwise you're wasting their time. Um, but in terms of people egging you on when you're not ready, um just know who you listen to um and that your priority is listen to god listen to jesus um allow the word of god to be the pressure in your life like a potter that applies pressure to the clay to yes. mold it and fit it for the purpose that's a good kind of pressure shapes you um, and then you want not s- surrender to peer pressure yeah odds your pressure you won't surrender to peer pressure it doesn't and and what people say carries a whole lot less weight and and you touched on this before Renee. you said you know you've got pastors and leaders and friends and family uh in your life develop those relationships with people who are trustworthy and they got your best interests at heart you can be accountable they want to see you grow okay develop your relationships with them that's who you listen to yeah
0: yeah And I felt like this is not exclusive to church culture. Church culture gets blamed for a lot of stuff, but um, I think any community that you're in where you're with people all the time, it's just that church is one of the probably most stable communities in people's lives. But as a teacher, when I was working at the same school for seven years, they were always saying to me, when are you going to date already? When are you going to, you know, cause they all, we all became friends and we were close. And you can get that pressure, not just in church culture. I oh, think totally. you can in yeah. Any, any group of people that you're constantly with. So yeah, that's a good point actually. Cause I think everyone knows that dating
1: eventually should end like that process should yeah. eventually end. And if you're not dating for marriage, what is your end goal here? What's your reason? Yeah. You know, and so I think people
0: sort of subconsciously know that and they're like, is this going anywhere? <laughs> true. It's true. Look, it's one of the upsides and downsides of having so many friends in church world. It's like, I don't think anyone can go and have coffee secretly either <laughs> You've got into someone that, you know, <laughs> so
1: <laughs>
0: yeah. So funny. Just spread it to everyone. Okay. <laughs> This is a great question, Nikki. How do you know if the guy can lead you? Which I feel like there's a question before this. Um, we're assuming that a guy should lead us, which I do agree with. Um, but how do you know if they can lead you?
1: Um, I I think, how do you know if anyone can lead well? It, it depends on um, who leads them. And so if you're led by Jesus, you're able to lead well. I, I think the emphasis of, Uh, Ephesians 5 is 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 mutual submission and mutual leadership which is um, is is referred to in verse 21 but it's interesting it's an interesting question and it it's funny that headship isn't actually in the bible it's not a word in the bible but whenever the bible in the new testament refers to husbands being the head doesn't actually mean leader or authority or chief. That's a different Greek word, exousia. Yeah. But the word here is kephale and it's yeah. a really beautiful meaning. It means connectedness and nurture, like a head to a body. Yeah. And so it's this. It's it's illustrating this, this oneness and unity, like a head to a body. That was the Greek idiom there, and it's it's uh it act, doesn't that make for an ideal marriage? Oneness and unity, it, just like the the Trinity and the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. But I think if we're talking leadership in any area of life, Jesus himself redefines leadership when he comes to earth through submission and service. And and it seems for Jesus that submission is a huge form of leadership and and that is literally, I guess that culminates on the cross. The best picture of leadership we get from Jesus is on the cross because he lays his life down for us. So if a guy does that, he's fit to lead. If a girl does that, she's fit to lead. If you do that, you're fit to lead. If you're, if you're willing to lay your life down, like a parent, Renee, the greatest parents are the ones who lay their lives down for their kids. That governs great leadership. And so I think anyone, if anyone can lead well, um, if you're able to be led by Christ, you
0: can lead someone else. Yeah, I think even on a more practical, like when I see that question too, I think I'm thinking, you know, can the guy make decisions, or am I going to be the one making decisions all the time? And that was probably a value of mine was I wanted someone who I knew um, knew his mind, knew where he was going. Of course, talked with me and like Cameron and I. I mean, you know how strong I am. It wouldn't be easy. Yeah. <laughs> Cameron. <I don't> <laughs> Both super strong, and so it's not like I'm some meek and mild, submissive person, and Cameron's like, you know, but um, but there is definitely a dynamic in our relationship where I could not have respected Cameron if he was really kind of weak and couldn't make decisions. And one of the things I loved about him when we were first dating is he would always know where to go. Like he'd go, where do you want to go? And I'd be like, I don't know. He, he was just such a decision maker. And I felt like I could trust him. I don't know if that's because I grew up without a father in my home. So we la- I lacked that male figure in my life. Um, but that was important to me that Cameron n- knew how to lead in his own life. And he that knew how to make decisions, which is maybe
1: really ways. hit the nail on the head there. Knowing that the other person can lead in their own
0: life—that mm.
1: is just such a great way to put it. To if they can lead their own life, yeah, can they lead their emotions, or are their emotions yeah. leading them? Yeah, can they lead their sex drive, or is their sex drive leading them? Can they? Do you know what I mean? That's such a great mm-hmm. way to put it. Are they being and ultimately, um, you know, to be an apprentice is like every apprentice ends up working or building like their uh, leader, like whoever yeah. they apprentice yeah. under. And uh, if Jesus is the leader that you're apprenticing under, that's really what discipleship means. It's uh, you lead like him. So yeah. if I'm looking at leaders, I just want, I want to be led by people who are like Jesus. Yes, That's what I'm looking for. And so really, I guess the best criteria we look at when we're talking about, you know, who should lead us in any context of life. Look for people who lead
0: like Jesus.
1: Yeah, And I think that was actually a book in uh, the The Life Academy, wasn't it? <laughs>
0: yes. yes, yeah, it was. Lead, lead like Jesus, can't remember <laughs> how the other ones. Um, yeah, yeah. And I, and I think it comes back to what you were talking about in the singleness and the dating podcast about what are your values. And if it's a value, like for me, because I'm a strong person, if I was making all the decisions, I would not be able to respect Cameron and so it was a value of mine and I knew it was a value of mine that I needed someone strong. I wanted someone who was even maybe stronger than I was and Cameron equally, one of his values was the same. He didn't want, he wanted someone that was a little bit hard to get. That was a bit of a hard chase and he likes that I challenge him and I keep him on his toes. So it's kind of went both ways. I think that's the epitome of like iron sharpening iron. You guys just sharpen
1: each other and you strengthen yeah. each other, right? And, and I think that's, I mean, that in Ephesians 5 where it talks about the head and the body, it says, it, it undergoes the whole thing in verse 21 where it says, submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. So yes. the real leader here is Christ. Yes. And then you, you submit to one another, but that looks different in different contexts, doesn't it?
0: It ab- absolutely does. And actually okay. submission is
1: a form of strength, isn't it?
0: Yes. Yeah. Okay. So that's a whole other podcast too about the whole men and strength and what's masculinity. That's another whole one. Um <laughs> we can't answer it here, but I we've only got five minutes because I have to go and take my dog to the chiropractor. <laughs> For
1: the listeners, like just yeah. write that in your Bible channels.
0: I am that hippie. I'm not I'm like it, You should come to Byron, Livia. I should. Literally, I take my big grudel um to the chiropractor. Okay. okay. Let's end on a bit of a fun one. What are your thoughts on online dating for Christians? Isn't there some Christian one called fishes of men or something really? Bad? I have no
1: idea.
0: I, I have think no
1: idea. We are venturing into um, unfamiliar territory for me, um, but I do have, you know, someone told me recently that they have friends who met each other via online dating um, uh, and ended up getting married. Um, I don't know if you, you've heard of, I don't know how the marriage is going, but, <laughs> but you know, they met each other that way. So, um, look, if I had a preference, I'm interested to hear your thoughts, Renee, but if I had a preference, obviously I would, I'd rather meet my spouse on mission organically. That's my
0: that's preference.
1: brilliant. But I think, um, it's kind of like social media. Is it, is it immoral or is it moral? And really it's amoral. Like it's neither. Right. It's just a platform. And uh, so so there's no chapter and verse against it. There's just biblical wisdom that must be applied in every context of life, okay? So, you know, I, I guess as long as you are making sure that you're not making an idol out of dating, as long yeah. as you're making sure your gaze is on Jesus and the calling, as long as you're focused on becoming a healthy person, not obsessed with finding one, uh, there's no legislation against that. There's no law against these things, the Bible says. And so... Yeah. Um, I guess in terms of online dating, I think it's amoral. I think make sure it's like when people ask me, is dating biblical? No, is dating biblical? So online dating sure, make it biblical. And, uh, you know, my preference is I'd rather meet, I feel like it's easier to meet someone uh, organically or maybe not. The world is changing, but make sure whatever you do, do it unto the Lord, make sure you're worshiping God and make sure you're being wise. And uh, it's definitely... Uh, not a place, you, you can't digitally develop a relationship. So it might be a platform to meet someone, but you can't grow that relationship Yeah, um, outside of being in each other's actual company.
0: Yeah. And we've talked a lot about values and I don't know that you can really know who someone is from online dating. So I feel like even though it's not wrong and, and certainly there's two people that I know that have done it Um, one where um it worked out, and they're still married but they did compromise their values because one's uh got christian beliefs and one doesn't and then the other one it didn't work out and they ended up divorced um, so i just from my experience i feel like perhaps it's high risk and low fruit um, mm. but then there would there could be cases out there where it does work so i would say the important thing like you said is as long as you're not compromising your values yeah. so You can do that whether you're meeting someone face to face or online. But if you've got the strength, when that good looking unsaved guy sends you the wink or the swipe or whatever it is these days, (laughs) I don't even know. I think
1: they have like specific Christian online dating sites now. So they're actually for Christians.
0: Yeah, I know. I think they're, I think from what I've heard, they're a little bit woeful, but I don't
1: know. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, well, it's exactly what you're saying then. It's like, well, make sure whatever you do, is is pure-hearted, and so if you feel like you're setting yourself up for temptation, and and then then just don't do it, because Jesus says, you know, if your right hand causes you to sin, cut it off, gouge out your right you know, like it's a metaphor, people. He doesn't mean it's just... a
0: metaphor. I oh was gonna say, my gosh, now we're gonna have people going, what? I know, I know, but
1: cut off, cut yourself off from online dating if it causes yeah. you to sin. Um, but yeah. just apply all the wisdom that we've sort of talked about in the last six or seven or whatever episodes to that activity. If you're gonna go through online dating. Uh, we'll make sure you're doing all the right things um, and laying down your boundaries and not compromising and all these things. And, um, but eventually it will, you might be able to meet someone through that, but you know, and I think most people who do the online dating, they don't intend to keep it online. They want to meet someone, you know, and hang oh, out. Totally. With
0: yeah. well, I know people who have um, met people through social media. That's not even on an online dating platform. They kind of just met through social media. So yeah. But I think if you put all these other principles in play, then um, you're safeguarding yourself. All right, Nikki, thank you so much. Our time has come to an end. Well, not our friendship, but our... I'm so our sad, online. genuinely sad. Our, our online friendship has come to an end, <laughs> our podcast friendship. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I know people have asked like, how they can maybe get a hold of you because um, I think you're one of these people that might not post so much on social media, but you're still on it. So we can... Yeah. Yeah. I'm like probably what they call a ghost. So I'm, I
1: am really like, I am slack, but I will, I do respond to DMS and I do check in on social media. I'm just a shocker at posting and and watching other people's stories, but, (laughs) but, um, yeah, just, um, feel free to DM me or tag me and stuff. And I'll definitely, I'll definitely check my notifications that's yep. what I I, i'm
0: <laughs> constantly tagging you in on the girl next door stuff so right. if people want to find your handle just come on to next door dot podcast on instagram and you'll find um tags there and nikki's also a friend of mine on there so just look up nikki's cool. name
1: yeah maybe i'll tag myself in the comments so people know the handle and then they can message me right.
0: yeah and even if you know you're interested in getting nikki to come to your youth group to speak on any of this stuff um or church or whatever um or even, you know, the principles apply whether you're a Christian or not, really. So yeah, make sure that you let her know, because I'm sure that she would be able to organize that too. Totally. All right. Thank you, Nikki. It has been a pleasure. Thank you so much for having me.
1: It's been an honor. It's been a privilege and I don't take it lightly. And thank you for investing in all the young people in your world and providing a platform for them for change and growth
0: and transformation. You're amazing. Oh, thanks. I love it. It's a lot of fun. So thanks Nikki. All um, right, everyone. We'll... Oops. What do you gonna say? I was just going to say bye everyone. <laughs> <laughs> will, guys, I'll see you all next week for a brand new series on, I'm not, I think I've got something brewing in my brain, but you'll have to wait. <laughs> okay. <laughs> see you guys. Bye. Make sure you come and find me on social media, girlnextdoor.podcast.